All right, so just a quick overview of, uh, of the night of our talk a little bit. We'll um, just go into, I guess, first of all, how many people are familiar with adoration, have been to adoration, our guardian? Okay, some people have no idea. That's cool. That's good, too. Um, so we'll do just a little uh, how-to at the beginning, or not how-to, but just what is adoration. Uh, maybe a little bit about how it started, and then just kind of the history um, at Christ the King. Um, a little bit of our personal testimony. And of course, just an uh, invitation to spending time with Christ uh, in, in front of the Blessed Sacrament at the end. So, um, with that being said, we will go ahead and open in prayer. We're going to open with um, a prayer called the Divine Praises, which is uh, it's a specifically adoration uh, prayer that usually they they say at the end of adoration um, during benediction. So um, I'll say one line and then you repeat it, and we'll uh, we'll go back and forth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Blessed be His holy name. Blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be His most sacred heart. Blessed be His most sacred heart. Blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Ghost, the Paraclete. Blessed be the Holy Ghost, the Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be your glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. May the heart of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament be praised, adored, and loved with grateful affection. At every moment in all the tabernacles of the tabernacles of the world, even to the end of time, Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> all right. Well, thanks to Francesca and Kathleen, and um, for having us, and, and for everyone for having us. We're very excited about being here. Um, uh, just uh, as an introduction, that we want to throw out a quote from Mother Teresa: "The time you spend with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament." is the best time you will spend on earth. So just think about it, right? Our goal here on earth is to get to heaven, to be with Jesus eternally. And so, of course, the best time that we can spend is with Jesus, right? Of course, in the Blessed Sacrament, as Mother Teresa says, um, that's the best time we can spend on earth. So we're here today because, of course, Adoration has had a profound impact on our lives. It's, uh, it's, it's shaped our lives from, from really high school through college, our early relationship, and um, you know, in, in starting our family. Adoration has always been there for us. Uh, our married lives, really, it's, it's helped us grow in our spiritual lives, our relationship with Christ. And of course, we want to just share that with you, share the happiness and the joy that we have found in adoration um, with you guys. So I'm, um, again, I'm Jeff Grebner, born and raised in Roswell, Georgia. Uh, went to St. Jude uh, Catholic School for, through 8th grade, and then went to St. Pius High School. Um, and then I went on to Notre Dame uh, for college. So and I'm, I'm not from here. I'm from Southern California. Uh, I went to Notre Dame, and when you go away for college, usually you meet someone who lives in another state and end up moving, right? So that's how I ended up here. Does anyone, uh, anyone know... AOL is the messenger, like the, the old school, you know, social media, right, so that's kind of how we met, kind of, uh, we met through a mutual friend, but of course, we started talking a little bit on the AOL is the messenger, my, my profile picture was a picture of, a, of my, my brand new cousin, my cousin, so it was a baby picture, yeah, so he got me with the baby picture, <laughs> So, of course, we started talking on AOL Instant Messenger. We talked about family. We talked about faith. And we talked about our relationship with Christ. Um, and, you know, we shared the same values, right? 
And so, of course, um, you know, I, I started kind of adoration in, in high school, and I learned to love it. And so I continued it at Notre Dame, and I invited Jamie, our first date, to adoration. Yeah, so there was a, a dorm that had uh, adoration weekly, and so Jeffrey had an hour. And that was actually one of the first times I had been at adoration because my parish back home didn't have it. So Jeffrey uh, really introduced me to that prayer. And yeah, we've been doing it together ever since. Uh, that is adoration. So, um, you go to the next uh, next slide. So that's our crew. That's our crew at home. All um, all seven kids getting ready for the first day of school. So just a little intro there. Um, you can get the next one. Thank you. All right. So, um, what is Eucharistic adoration? All right. So. Um, Breaking out the catechism of the Catholic Church now. Paragraph 26, 28. So adoration is the first attitude of man acknowledging that he is a creature before his creator. It exalts the greatness of the Lord who made us in the almighty power of the Savior who sets us free from evil. Adoration is homage of the Spirit to the King of glory. Respectful silence in the presence of the ever greater God. Adoration of the thrice holy and sovereign God of love blends with humility and gives assurance to our supplications. So specifically tonight we're going to be talking about Eucharistic adoration. Um, but I do want you to kind of remember, you know, the, the power and the humility and that blend, right? That blend because, you know, the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our Catholic faith, right? So, um... I mean, obviously, it's extremely important for us. It's uniquely Catholic, of course, that belief that Christ is truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. So and we, we are both spiritual and physical beings, and God knows that. So he allowed, he allowed himself to become human so that he, too, could be physical like we are. So we have Christ physically here in the Blessed Sacrament. And he wants to have not just a spiritual relationship with us, but that physical relationship. He wants us to be physically in his presence. And that's what Eucharistic adoration allows us to do, to sit or kneel before him in his presence. So just think about the omnipotence of the creator, right? He is all-powerful, yet he has the humility to become one of us, right? The child Jesus. And, of course, that first picture that was on there of Mary holding and adoring baby Jesus, right? Kind of think about that as far as his humility. And then fast forward, of course, he gave us the gift of the Eucharist. So Christ physically stays with us, um, you know, through, through, daily, through, through Mass, um, through the sacraments. And so it's really important that we acknowledge uh, his true presence. Right? His, he is actually there. When you're in adoration, you are sitting face to face. And, and the chapel here, if you've been there, is pretty cozy. So you can get pretty close. Right? You are sitting face to face with our Lord. Right? With, with the creator of the universe. Right. Exactly. So um, you can feel his presence, his physical presence. Right? He is, he is there. Um, you can talk to him kind of one on one. So what is adoration in terms of what does it look like in the chapel? For those of you who haven't been to the chapel, um, uh, our, Lord is, our Lord's body is exposed in a monstrance. The, where a monstrance comes from the word monstrari, which means to show. And so this is an example of what a monstrance looks like. There's um, a place, a circle, a spot in the middle where um, the priest puts our Lord's body, the Eucharist. And so that is sitting on an altar in the chapel, and there's places for you to kneel or sit, and um, and we he's there for us just to be with him. Archbishop Fulton Sheen said, the greatest love story of all time is contained in a tiny white host. Again, the most powerful creator becoming, um, you know, becoming, uh, you know, in a, in a, kind of coming down to us, right, in the form of bread and wine. Um, to be with us physically. So when you go into the chapel and you see this and you get down on both knees and you get 
go into the house, but we get down on both knees. Like when we go into the church, we genuflect on one knee. Christ is hidden in the tabernacle, but we still genuflect to our, our Lord. When you get in the chapel, he's exposed. He's right there. So to show him reverence, we get down on both knees and bow to him before we go to our spot to pray. But what we're realizing is we're entering in and we're acknowledging him. We're acknowledging the person that wants to have the deepest relationship with us, right? Um, so we think about... Um, we think about the time and the that form of prayer is is unique in that we have the ability to be in Christ's presence and and really spend time with Him. You know, think of the person that you want to be closest to. Well, what's better, being on the phone with them or actually sitting face to face with them? Yeah. So the opportunity um, that adoration presents us, of course, is the opportunity to grow closer in our relationship with Christ. Right, we go, of course, we adore him, but we also go and we can sit and we, and we can talk to him. You know, we can listen to him, see what he has to say, right? We can, we can say our prayers, um, of course. But again, any relationship, if you think about any, any relationship, right? Again, like Jamie said, it's great to, you know, talk on the phone or FaceTime or, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sick of the Zoom meetings at work. Um, much better to be in person, right? And so that's what adoration gives us the opportunity to do, to be in the presence Again, face-to-face with Christ in the Eucharist. You know, I think everyone here has probably been in a long-distance relationship at some point. Or Jeffrey and I had to do long-distance for a year, and it's hard. You know, you're not, you're not together. When, you are, when you're able to come together and be in each other's presence, it is, it, it's, so, you know, it's amazing. And that's what um, we get when we get to go be with Christ in the chapel. But, you know, any, any relationship, any uh, friendship... You know, it takes a little work, right? It's not going to um, be super easy. You know, you, you're going to kind of have to dedicate yourself uh, to, to time spent with our Lord. Uh, if you want, you know, fruits out of it, you got to kind of put in the work, right? Just, just like any relationship, any friendship that we have, we have to be willing to, uh, to work and take the time to spend time with, uh, with Christ and hopefully grow in our relationship with Him. Well, I think of, like, friends that I, I grow closest to the fastest. Well, there's the people that I say, oh, well, let's get together sometime. <coughs> Most likely, it might, it might happen, but it doesn't always. But then there's a friend who says, hey, can we, let's have a weekly meetup at, you know, to get coffee or, or go to Mass together on every week on Wednesday. Well, that person I grow uh, closer to much faster. And that's what happens when we commit to going to be with Christ on a weekly basis. Okay, so how did, um, how did adoration start? Um, and of course, the first adorer, right, was, uh, was Mother Mary, right, the mother of Christ. Again, holding, holding Jesus in her arms, uh, you know, looking at Jesus, adoring him. Um, I remember when we had our first child, we would bring him to adoration with us. And I mean, there's nothing like looking at Jesus, feeling his love, Looking at your baby and loving him. It was just kind of like, like reflect his love is coming and kind of reflecting and then, then going right to my son. Yeah, I, just, ne- just I never leave the nursing baby at home when I go to my hour. So all, all seven of them have come with me to adoration at some point in their lives in my arms. And it really is amazing to know that when I'm looking at my child and I, I'm, you know, that newborn baby and a, you know, just loving that baby so much, I look up and there's Christ loving me even more than that, more than I can imagine. Um, so again, Mary was, is our example of how to adore Christ. Uh, we want to follow her example. Again, think of the omnipotence of Christ uh, and yet the humility, right? Mary uh, was very humble herself, and so we follow that example and how to adore Christ. So how did adoration start? Um, in the 6th century, in monasteries and religious communities, uh, mostly in Europe, they started perpetual adoration. Because, of course, again, they knew the power um, and the transformation that Eucharistic adoration um, can give. And so those who are in monasteries or religious communities, um, actually there's, there's a community in Spain that's had over a thousand years of continual adoration. Non-stop. A thousand years. Pretty impressive. Um, and then in the 12th century, they started opening up for, uh, for lay people. They would do 40-hour vigils during the tritium. Or just kind of uh, holy hours here and there. Well, it's, it's not coincidence that the Holy Spirit had us come and speak on this night because on the feast, today is September 14th, the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. 
And on this day in 12, it was, let me see, 12, uh, 1226, the first perpetual adoration chapel for the laity opened. And um, that started in France. King Louis VII uh, had a victory and asked the bishop to expose our Lord and wanted everyone come and adore him. Well, people just kept on coming and coming. And so the bishop decided to allow our Lord to be exposed overnight for the laity and people continued and then they got permission from the Holy See to keep it going and it went on continually uninterrupted until the French Revolution. Um, in 1853, St. John Newman kind of brought that practice to the United States of holy hours for the lay people um, and of course the apostle to the Eucharist, St. Peter Julian Amar, uh, was very influential as well in spreading um, devotion to adoration. Um, and so fast forward now to maybe 27 years ago, Archbishop Donahue came to Atlanta, and one of the first things he wanted to do was, was start adoration. Because um, he knew, again, the transformative power of Eucharistic adoration. Um, it has the power to transform you know, not only our hearts, but also entire communities. And so he came, and, and he started um, adoration, of course, at his church, the cathedral, at Christ the King. Um, if you don't know where the chapel is, it's, if you're facing the altar, it's on the left, kind of behind the door. Um, right there, it's, again, it's a little cozy chapel. Yeah, that's what, that's it, what looks it looks like, like right there. Um, that's the chapel from the picture from the church side. Um, anyway, he so he knew the impact of that, and so he had a sign up three guardians for every hour. So you know, do the math: three times twenty-four times seven. A lot of a lot of a lot of volunteers, a lot of guardians had to be involved, and um, in order to start uh, perpetual adoration here at Christ the King. And ever since, you know, he's. Well, and just to explain what a guardian is, yes, sir. for those who don't know, a guardian is someone who commits to spending an hour with Christ and being in that chapel week uh, for the same hour every week. And you need to have guardians because Christ cannot be left alone. If we don't have guardians, we can't have a perpetual adoration chapel. There has to be at least one person on every hour. And so Archbishop Donahue was so committed that there's, I heard stories from old guardians about how they would have the 3 a.m. hour, they would come, and they would relieve uh, Bishop Donahue. You know, he, would, he, would, he had the 2 a.m. hour. And then the next hour came 4 a.m., and who would come but to relieve the, uh, that guardian? But Archbishop Donahue. Because Basically, he was he would, filling in all fill the gaps. In, yeah, he would just fill in the spots that are empty, and most of those were in the middle of the night. And he, because he, just, he knew the power of the Eucharist, and so he was that dedicated to it, and... Um, and, I mean, really, we can kind of mark, mark that point in time uh, for the Archdiocese of Atlanta. Ever since then, the diocese has been flourishing, it's been growing, um, and, and really, we can attribute that to the power of the Eucharist. Uh, I mean, there's adoration in, in almost every, every uh, you know, church in the diocese, not perpetual, but, you know, certain times they're doing adoration, and I think there's almost, well, pre-COVID, there's almost nine um, parishes that had perpetual adoration. Um, so definitely, definitely good for the community. St. John Paul II said, The Eucharist is the heart of the church. Where Eucharistic life flourishes, there the life of the church will blossom. And you know, we have some guardians at the, in the, here who uh -huh. have been guardians since the beginning. Yeah, so. 27 plus years. And they're still doing the same hour, or I mean, I guess some of them, or if they fill in more hours. Um, uh, so not only does it transform individuals, but it transforms cities. And there's uh, a case of a city in, in northern Mexico called Ciudad Juarez, which in 2010 was considered one of the most dangerous places you could live. And it was because there was a lot of drug and gang violence. So the people in the Catholic parishes there were desperate to stop this violence like people were dying on a daily basis there were you know houses being burned down um, just so many the, the city was being devastated so they petitioned to have a, a perpetual adoration chapel open and so that they could petition Christ ask him to stop the violence they knew that only Christ could stop the violence so within two months of the chapel being open and people being in there nonstop to pray um, the, the murder rate went down significantly and the violence went down. So um, from, so the chapel opened in 2013. 
So the difference between 2010 before the chapel and to 2015 after the chapel, the murder rate dropped from 3,766 murders in a year to only 256 in a year. So it was really significant. And um, if you talk to the people there, they say it was because of the Adoration Chapel. And they all, it's become safer than um, some of the cities in, uh, here in America. And people argue that no city turned around as quickly as that. So it really it transforms things. And there is one really cool story having to do with that chapel where this woman was going, she was a guardian for 3 a.m. and she was going to her 3 a.m. chapel and the city was under siege and these six soldiers stopped her and didn't understand where she was going in the middle of the night. And she said, no, we ha- uh, I have to go to the chapel and be with Christ. And uh, they didn't believe her, so they, she said, just come with me. So they followed her to the chapel and they find six women in the chapel at 3 a.m. on their knees praying before our Lord. And she said to them, you know, you think you're protecting us, but we're praying for you um, here 24 hours a day. And one of the soldiers dropped to his knees and just started crying. And the next day, that same soldier came in his civilian clothes at 3 in the morning to adore our Lord and just cried through the whole hour. So it transforms individuals, it transforms cities. Because Uh, it's Christ. And that's why. A priest said to me one time, uh, it's kind of funny, but he said he loves adoration. Because it's, it's the one thing that causes conversions and miracles where he doesn't really have to do anything. <laughs> All he does is he sets up Jesus in the monstrance and walks away and conversions happen. Right? Because it's the presence of Christ. Um, you know, truly present with us. So, um, we'll go in a little bit to our personal uh, testimony for, um, you know, for us. And I'm going to start with a, a quote from St. Francis de Sales. Every one of us needs a half hour of prayer each day. Except when we're busy, then we need an hour. Okay, he's recognizing the fact that prayer is absolutely essential for our lives. Right? When we're uh, struggling, you know, that's when we need to turn to prayer the most. Right? That's not when we need to uh, you know, go keep working because we're so busy at work and just kind of shut down our prayer life, right? Uh, that's when we need to kind of buckle down and, and do it that much more. And so, you know, in, in, in our lives, you know, there's been a lot of times where, you know, we don't always, you know, get exactly what we were looking for out of adoration. Um, but, you know, the perseverance to go every single week uh, is very important. And, um, you know, we, we want to keep trying. And there's a million things that can come up and get in our way. Oh, there's always things that come up before you go to your hour. Because who doesn't want you to go to your hour? The devil, right? So he's always going to throw obstacles in your way to keep you from going. But it's important that we stay focused uh, and that we continue our relationship, right? That we're dedicated to having that relationship. And when, just like St. Francis said, when we're um, even busier, it's even more important that we continue you know, our, our weekly date with, with our Lord. I think that's the you know, biggest reason why Jeffrey and I both have always encouraged each other to have a, an hour that we're committed to, to be in a garden. Because if you have it set on the calendar every week, you know you have to go. You don't schedule things over it. Um, and, you know, if, if we don't have it on the calendar, there's always something that will push it off, right? There's always something that seems to come up that's important that we have to do. And, um, but when you have it on the, on the calendar, then you're going to be there. So like I said, it's been maybe give or take 20 years, and, and we've been going to Adoration Weekly, and you can't go to Adoration for 20 years and not have some pretty cool stories. So we think these are some cool stories. Um, but again, I started I started adoration here in Atlanta at a small chapel at IHM. Um, they used to have a little chapel there when I was in high school. I started as as a as a sub, and I would go. A lot of times I'd go late at night, sometimes in the middle of the night. Um, and it was just really it was really great for me, um, helping me grow in my relationship, my desire um, to be with Christ. And then heading into college, of course. We got some big decisions coming up, right, in college, you know. Who do I marry? What, uh, you know, what job do I take? What city do we move to, right? And so adoration really, really helps us uh, in terms of the whole discernment process, right? Discernment being more or less decision-making with God in the conversation, right? You're asking God, you're praying to God, and asking Him to to be part of your decision-making process, and that is more or less discernment. So we're discerning um, a lot of things uh, in college. 
So we would go to adoration in college together, um, uh, and, okay, and occasionally also on our own. And um, I know that was, I remember clearly that was where I ended up discerning that God was calling me to marry Jeffrey. I was on, actually on a retreat and there was adoration and I was um, praying and asking God what he wanted. And, and I just, when I got the answer that I, he said, you know, I want you to marry Jeffrey, it was just, you know, something that I felt in my heart and it was, gave me a lot of peace. And I knew that was the right answer. The cool thing with discernment is God is truth. So he's never going to lead you astray, right? And uh, so there's been, you know, decisions in our married life that we, we've had to make. And, uh, and he always comes through with an answer. And we always have peace with that answer because it is, it is the best for us because he wants the best. Um, one example, you know, being when we're, when we're discerning our family and growing our family and what he wants of that. You know, there's been times I've been in the Adoration Chapel praying and I'm before our Lord. And when you're before him, you're filled with gratitude because you're before God who's giving you everything and loves you more than anyone else. So I'm just pouring out my heart to him saying, thank you so much for, um, you know, our family. Thank you for my marriage. Thank you for our faith. Um, thank you, you know, just thanking him for everything. He's so generous to us. Um, and I just felt moved to say, Lord, you have given me so much. What can we do for you? And clear as day, I heard, heard a voice say, have another child. And so um, we just, you know, that was ended up being our third child, Michael. And then when we came to the same child, we came time to um, discern what his name would be. So I, I really like the name Michael. I really wanted it to be a Michael. No offense to anyone with the name Michael, but I was like, there are a lot of Michaels out there. <laughs> so she wasn't a fan. I had to try my best to I think I was on Nicholas or something. That That's Michael was it. Well, one night she went to adoration. And I kind of was like, okay, I'm just going to give up on my Michael dream. Like, you know what? When she comes home after adoration, I'm going to let her know that we can go with Nicholas. It'll be okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so I go to adoration, and I'm praying. I'm just it's coming, getting close to the birth, and I'm like, Lord, we need a name for this child. We're not on the same page about it. And I'm before Christ in the Eucharist, and I just say, Lord, what is this child's name? Uh, can you please just tell us the name? And uh, I go grab my prayer book, some a book that I don't usually bring, a, uh, a certain prayer book, and I open it up, and it opens up to a picture of St. Michael. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I go home, and I'm like, okay, i got to tell Jeffrey that his name is Michael. I don't come and I, in. And I went first. I said, hey, listen, <laughs> you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humble myself. And... You know, we don't have to name, we don't have to name Michael. We, we can go with Nicholas. And, and I was like, oh, maybe I don't have to tell him, right? I, was like, <laughs> I didn't really think that. But I was like, well, here's what Christ said. His name is Michael. And we definitely have a Michael. So he's named Michael. And from the moments he could toddle around, he found a sword and pretended like it was a stick. And one of his favorite things is to put on armor and get a sword and fight. So he's definitely, he's got his patron saint, saint's name. So that was, you know, just talking about discernment, the, the chapel, being with our Lord, is one of the best places to ask him those questions. And uh, you were telling me about um, someone who said, oh, no, it was a priest that said that every time they went to adoration, they had a list of questions they were asking Christ. And within a week, um, that one of those questions would be answered. And then the next week, one of the, the other questions would be answered. So we take all of our questions, all of our decisions to our Lord, lay it at his feet, and he always takes care of it. Um, so for me personally, I specifically love overnight adoration. I know it can be hard and tough, but I love my 2 a.m. hour on Wednesdays. Yeah, um, so when we got married, Jeffrey didn't tell me that we were going to be doing the 2 a.m. hour when we first got married. But um, it ended up being really good together. So, you know, we, I, you know, we can do an hour during the day, but, you know, we're right on Peachtree Street. 2 a.m. is probably about as quiet as it's ever going to be. Um, anyway, I love going in the middle of the night. I can just kind of get rid of all the distractions. For me, it's my most productive prayer time of the entire week, right? I get, I get so much done in terms of prayer and efficiency in that hour, and it, it has a lot to do with the fact that it is, it, it is in the middle of the night. Um, I get... I mean, I just, I just feel the grace and there's something special happens, right? When, 
when you're in there uh, in the presence of Christ, feeling His love, uh, praying again in the middle of the night. Listen, I mean, it's a big, it's a big sacrifice, right? I get up in the middle of the night. Um, you know, I'm going to be. You know, maybe I was up, up late. Sometimes he doesn't before. go to bed. He, you know, he's got he's got work to do. The, we got get the activities with kids, and then by the time. His 2 a.m. hour is coming up. He doesn't have time to go to sleep, so he just stays up. He leaves at 1.30. And yeah. Forget you, you got to get up early in the morning. You know, Whatever the reason is that it's going to be difficult, I know that God is going to give me the graces to, to get through it. right? And God is never outdone in generosity. So whatever time we give Him, He's going to give it back to us tenfold. Right, so I've experienced that many, many times over the course of our 20 years and doing uh, overnight adoration. Can you hit this next slide? Um, can you, you may have to hit it a few times. Yeah, keep going until it's full. So um, there, there's a there's a book called. Is there one more? There's yeah, click, yeah. Insinue Jesus. Sorry, I didn't put this up. Insinue Jesus. Anyway, uh, this is a book written by a priest. I think a French priest that. Um, Jesus is that yeah, Jesus was speaking to him through prayer, and he kind of wrote down what Jesus' words were. And so Jesus had this to say about overnight adoration. More souls are saved and liberated by adoration made during the night than by any other form of prayer. And again, adoration, I'm a little biased, but adoration is my favorite form of prayer. So I, you know, I, I love that first part. Um, the prayer of adoration at night has the power and efficacy of that prayer made while fasting. So fasting, of course, so powerful, so important. We do it during Lent, right? Um, adoration at night has that same power. For this reason, the demons fear and hate adoration made at night, while the angels rejoice over it and place themselves at the service of the soul who desires to do it. So I, I don't know about you, but... Um, if the angels are rejoicing over something I'm doing, then I'm probably doing something right. And if they're at my service um, to help me and my spouse and my family get to heaven, then that is the place where I want to be. So uh, for those reasons and, and more, I, I love my overnight uh, hour of adoration. So, you know, there's been, so when we first got married, we had the 2 a.m. slot together on a Wednesday night. And we were going together, even took our, our uh, child Joseph until he was toddling around. He learned to basically walk in the chapel at 2 a.m. Uh, or he'd sleep in our arms. Um, but once there was two kids, it just was a little too much to take them in the middle of the night. But Jeffrey kept the hour, and uh, although there's been, like he said, there's been so many fruits from it, I mean, I have to say there's been times where I say, you know, it's 2 in the morning, you're exhausted, you're falling asleep, uh, maybe you should get a different hour. And he's persevered and stuck with it. And we can, I can see now that Christ wanted him to stick with it. And it was just the temptation to give it up. It would have been easy to give it up. And, but he instead has um, you know, benefit, benefited from, Jeffrey has benefited from the sacrifices that he's offered to Christ in that. I'd be lying if I said that my eyes never closed in the adoration chapter. <laughs> well, you know, St. Therese says that sometimes the, in order for the physician to do heart surgery, you need to be asleep. So Christ is working on us even when we're asleep. And I don't know about, I know Jeffrey has actually said the same thing. I don't know about any of you, but if my eyes end up closing and I doze off a little bit before our Lord, I wake up and I feel like I have slept for hours. I feel very well rested. So I feel like he must have been doing something, right, while I was asleep. Um, but so we, we couldn't do the 2 a.m. hour together. Uh, and I... I was really missing. I could tell my spiritual life was not the same without my hour every week because our lives are so busy that uh, to you know to set aside an hour at home to pray or even like say oh I'll go I'll pray after mass this one you know on a certain day for some time you know it's not the same as having it on the calendar and committing to it and Christ recognizes that commitment that we're there to be with Him. Uh, so I, Jeffrey encouraged me to get another hour, and the only one that really worked with everything that was going on was 8 p.m. on Saturday. And also it was kind of the open slot, because who wants an 8 p.m. on Saturday, right? Uh, but, you know, for us, like, it was a sacrifice for me and hard for me to leave in the evening sometimes because things are crazy at home, or maybe Jeffrey and I would just rather be together that evening. But 
Jeffrey would always encourage me to go and say, this is really important. Even if it was difficult for him at home, uh, the kids were running around wild or whatever. Uh, because once I came back, after being with Christ for an hour, I was a better wife. I was a better mother. I was a better follower of Christ. So we were just, tra- you know, that hour works on us, and we come back with so much more peace. Um, so I want to take a, um, a moment now to focus a little bit on intercessory prayer and just the power of intercessory prayer, um, spe- specifically in adoration. Um, so when we were pregnant with our sixth child, um, I was diagnosed with placenta accreta. And placenta accreta means that the placenta has grown into the uterus. And basically, if you gave birth naturally, you would bleed to death. And so the doctor said, well, we don't want you to bleed to death, so we're going to take the baby out early, and you're going to have to have a full hysterectomy. Um, so that news shocked us a little bit. Um, but we went to the chapel and prayed together and placed it before our Lord and said, Lord, if this is what you want, okay, we're okay with that. But um, we knew that our Lord sometimes just wants us to ask, right? So we decided that we were going to ask our Lord. If he wanted to, he could heal me. And we asked him if he would. But the biggest thing is that we went to all the guardians, many of the guardians around us, all the guardians we knew, and we asked them when they were in the chapel if they would petition for us and ask our Lord to heal me. Yeah, so we had a lot of people praying for us during that time. Um, you know, family members, friends, people that didn't even know, know us were, uh, were praying for us. And, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever prayed, you know, so hard in my life, um, you know, during that time. So I think we, you know, we had our 20-week ultrasound is kind of when they found it. And we went up, we went back maybe four or six weeks later for a follow-up. Yeah, because you have to go for a follow-up because it can start growing and you can grow into other organs and it can cause more issues. So they have to keep, like, checking it every once in a while. Yeah, when we went back four to six weeks later, uh, the placenta creed was gone. And everything was totally fine, totally normal, as it should be. Yeah, and they couldn't say, I was like, so what happened? And they're like, I don't know. And we, I mean, obviously we knew. It was the intercessory <laughs> prayer. But um, I just wanted to hear from the doctor if there was an explanation, right? So, yeah, being before our Lord and having people pray for us, he's, he wants us to ask. So that's one of the things that we can do in adoration is petition and ask him for things. Yeah, he's listening to us, right? He he wants us to be with him. He's almost—he's kind of like he's just sitting there waiting for us to come visit him, right? He uh, he wants us to grow in that relationship. So um, you know, many of you may be wondering, okay, so you know, what do you do during adoration? You know, how do you how do you fill your hour? An hour—it's kind of a long time to be you know on your knees, or you know, maybe I've tried it before, and maybe it's you know really hard to get through the hour. So you know, so what do you do? And, I mean, I would say, like, you know, what do you do with any friend, with any uh, relationship that you have? You know, what's the first thing you do is, you know, you catch up, right? You tell them about your week. You tell them the good things. You tell them the bad things, right? You know, um, you, you go over, the, you know, you, you ask him for, well, you know, you ask him for things. You uh, thank him for, for the things that he's done in the past week. Um, and, and then, you, you know, you listen, right? You sit in silence. And, uh, and you listen to our Lord. Sometimes if we keep talking, right, then we never let the other person talk and we, we can't hear what God has to say. Uh, we ask questions. We ask for help. We pray for others. We adore. And then after a while, right, um, it's going to become a lot more natural. So the first time, you know, you, you go, it, it may be awkward. It may be tough to get through it, um, et cetera. But the more often you do it, the, the more natural it'll be. Definitely would uh, encourage, you know, maybe some spiritual reading. Or, you know, break out uh, the Gospels, the Bible, you know, read some, uh, some scripture, the rosary, of course, you know, some set prayers. Um, and, and really, there's no, there's no set formula. It doesn't yeah, that's have the to nice be, thing about adoration, is that there is no set formula, right? Yeah, it doesn't have to be one way or the other. You know, the Holy Spirit can lead you during your adoration hour um, in many different directions. Uh, I would say, though, that it, you know, definitely helps to come prepared, to be ready to, okay... These are the three things I need to ask our Lord tonight. Or this is what I want to talk about with Him. Um, you know, this is what I want to get through. Or, or whatever. I mean, there's or been... these are the people I need to pray for who have asked for prayers. But yeah, the nice thing is you're going and you're, it's your time. So Christ is there to be with you. And, uh, and so you can really 
shape that hour um, to be what you want. If you need a set plan, you know, it's you, you can just do some typical things of the the uh, four types of prayer. You know, adoring Him, uh, telling Him your, how you're sorry for you know your own failings and faults, and uh, thanking Him for things, and then praying and asking Him, uh, ask petitioning Him. So. You can do some set prayers, but you don't have to. It's your, your hour with them. Um, I know when I take, I take my three oldest kids to adoration, so they're 13, uh, 10, and, and 8. And um, so I kind of drop them off, go in by themselves um, for, for an hour, and I stay outside with the little ones. And I'm like, okay, I need you to come out in an hour because I'm not going to come in with the little ones. And they, each one of them does something different, but they all fill the hour with um, just talking to Christ. Some of them, I, I see they're, you know, I know that they're just kneeling there, um, talking to him, pray. Some of them pray a rosary during it. Some of them read the Bible. Um, some have, um, you know, other things are taking note, you know, like journaling. Uh, and the neat thing is that after an hour, you know, I think, I used to think, oh, they're going to come out and say like, oh, are we almost done at like the 30-minute mark? But they don't. They come out after an hour, and my 8-year-old says, Mom, that went by so fast. It was so nice to be in there. Because, of course, like when you're with your best friend, like you don't want to leave. You want to keep talking, right? That's, you want to keep, uh, keep the discussion going, keep listening. Uh, and, of course, you know, you know of course we can, we can kind of get there eventually as we grow in our relationship with Christ. Um, so a little, a little how-tos, how I guess. Uh, well, well, Jimmy already kind of went over this. When you go into adoration, of course, we genuflect on, um, on two knees because he is exposed. Um, and, and then we try, you know, as best we can to kneel during our hour. Of course, it may not be, you know, entirely possible uh, to, to kneel. But, of course, you're, you know, you're in the presence of our king, our creator, right? So we, you want to show him the proper respect. And the uh, and the devotion when when we're in there. Um, so yeah, so I, I guess it just we'll just end with the that invitation, the invitation uh, for all of you to try to spend uh, spend more time in adoration with with our Lord. Um, and if God's calling you, uh, you know if if you think uh, you can become a guardian of the of the Blessed Sacrament and spend an hour every week. You know, we we definitely uh, definitely encourage that. We can definitely use you in the uh, in the Christ the King Chapel. Um, and so I just kind of invite you to maybe think about, you know, what's keeping you right now from from committing to an hour every week. I mean, what's kind of holding you back? Is it FOMO? You know, the fear of missing out, right? Like, what's 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 better at 3 a.m. Right? Like, what else am I going to be doing? Um, or is it just you know busyness of life? Right, you know what, um, you know what's kind of holding you back from from really jumping in to a weekly date night with our Lord. So I want to extend that information uh, invitation, and we can leave this up for a minute if you guys want to take a picture of this or whatever. But these are the open hours currently in the uh, in the chapel. Sunday is definitely a, a day in need, but but any of those hours really. And there's one more at the bottom. And that website, of course, will get you uh, get you to where you can sign up. So, um, so yeah, that, that's the uh, that's the invitation there. And so really, the invitation is from Christ to spend. Christ's love itself is inviting you to come spend time. So yeah, we'll open up to uh, any questions. I don't know how much time we have, Francesca, but yeah, definitely. We're good. Yeah, maybe we'll do a little Q and A, or I mean, I don't know. If Favorite ways to pray. Favorite ways to pray. So um, definitely on my knees because that gets me in the right position, right? If you're not in the right position, if you're sitting, lounging, um, for, you. for me, for me, sitting, you can kind of get in a little bit of a, you know, maybe too comfortable of a situation. Anyway, so definitely kneeling, um, just kind of recognizing my humility. And that Christ is uh, is there present, my Lord, my Creator. Um, so I, I I love kneeling. And then in terms of uh, what 
in terms of just ways to pray, just um, really, I kind of go through, you know, what Jamie said, just in terms of, you know, I, I maybe my three or four intentions, you know, kind of what's on my heart, um, you know, ask him for, for certain things, um, you know, praise him for, for some good things that have, that have happened recently. Um, but most of all, most importantly, I think just laying all of my concerns and my struggles, I just, I just take them out of me and I just put them on, on the altar and I just let him, let him take care of them. Um, I don't know if that's a way to pray, but that is definitely a part of each and every one of my hours. Um, and so it kind of gets rid of my distractions and, and clears my head and, and really kind of, I don't know, maybe get, gets, the, gets the mud out so that then he can really start talking to me, right? He can really start diving deep. Um, and I can really start listening once I once I get all the, the gunk and the distractions out. Yeah, yeah. It takes a while to get those distractions out of the way, even when you first show up at your hour. I feel like, right? You notice people notice that. Um, but I think for me, it's more of just talking with Christ and just I don't know. Sometimes it's just being silent before Him and seeing what He wants to say, because He usually has something to say. Even if it's just telling me how much he loves me, right? I usually come in adoration with, with a book, you know, usually spiritual reading. So, you know, it's not like I'm going to read two chapters, but I'll read a page or two at a time, read it, and then kind of, you know, sit back and, and just, you know, maybe start a little dialogue, maybe go back to the book, a little back and forth. Um, that was Anything else? Uh, you guys spoke a good amount about how it feels so good and how, like, your kids, like, were so engaged and all of that. Do you have any suggestions for when it does not feel good and when you're, like, at the, like, a month in and it's still, you're falling asleep every hour and <laughs> it is not feeling good? And, like, also you talked a lot about, like, accountability and how, like, you guys were there for each other. And would you, like, maybe have any recommendations or suggestions for that? Yeah, I, that's a good point because we've been doing it for so long that a lot of times it's easy to remember the times that uh, make all the fruit from it as opposed to remembering the difficulties in getting there or in being there or being so tired. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of alluded to it with Jeffrey at the 2 a.m. hour where there was a period where he was going and I think he was just, you were so tired because we were just at a phase in our life where the babies were waking up all the time. And he was up, he was late, up late at night with work and had to get up early and go early into work. You know, it was just a really, one of those phases in your life. And um, so he was running on very little sleep. Not that he gets much more sleep now, but, um, but I, you know, I just, I remember thinking like, He's falling, I, you know, I'd ask him, how's your eye? And he's like, uh, I, I've slept a lot. Um, and so, I mean, you just, the thing is, I actually was, at that moment, I was not the person to encourage him in it. I was saying, like, maybe you should get a different hour. But he prayed about it, and he kept on feeling like Christ wanted him on the hour, and he persevered. I would just say, perseverance, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so just knowing that, um, just kind of, you know, in the back of your mind, even though it's not fruitful, even though it's a, maybe a drag sometimes, you know, Continuing perseverance, having that virtue of perseverance, to continue to uh, just to know that you're doing the right thing and you're doing a good thing, and Christ wants you there, um, even though it's not the most fruitful. Um, reading some uh, biographies about saints uh, sometimes that really helps. got me through it. Uh, you know, Mother Teresa or um, or whatever. You know, just kind of gives you something to do, gives you something easy to meditate on, and you know, seeing what they went through. And of course, Mother Teresa, with the dark night of her soul, um, you could maybe kind of, you know, make some, um, you know, some similarities there if, if you're going through a tough time. Um, but just knowing you're, you're, you know, you're doing a good thing, yeah. and Christ is with you, and well, eventually also, He's gonna, um, you know, eventually it's gonna turn around. Um, I do remember one time where, so I was going to have my hour. It was struggling a little bit, and then all of a sudden the guardian behind me, I think, moved. And no one filled that spot. So now all of a sudden, one hour became two. And at that yeah, moment... Yeah, so it was one to three at this point. Yeah, and at that moment, when I started going two hours, my spiritual life just went... It got so much better. Like one hour was hard, and I couldn't even like get anything out of it. 
And then the Lord gave me two hours, and it was awesome. Like, I love having two hours. So, you know, just keep persevering, and you never know what God's going to um, give you. I think also Jeffrey did a good job of remembering why he was going. It really wasn't for himself in the end. We're going out of love for Christ. Like, I know we're talking a lot of, like, everything we get out of it, and it's true, because God is so generous. Like, he's going to give us more with our little sacrifices. He gives us so much more. But why are we going? It's going to show love for Christ. So it might be hard, but when we love someone, we do things that are hard for them. And that's what we're doing. We're doing something that can at times, especially in the middle of the night, seem hard, but we're doing it because we love Christ. Yeah, just like the apostles, right? They were in the garden with him. They were, you know, guarding him, if you will, right? They were with him, um, keeping watch. You know, that's what they were doing. They were keeping watch for the, before the soldiers came and arrested him. And so, it's, you know, at the same time, even though maybe I'm not getting anything out of it, I'm keeping watch for, for our Lord for an hour at a time so that this uh, perpetual prayer chain can continue. So even if I'm not getting the best prayers in, you know, the next chain, the next link might, you know, might have a really good hour or might have a really good experience and have some inter intercessory prayer that can be really powerful. So you're part of that link that, that keeps everything good going, um, you know, being a guard. So, um, a little bit about me, not to get too personal, but I'm a first year at St. Catherine of Siena, and I take the um, midnight to 1 a.m. chapel on Monday mornings, uh, Sunday nights, Monday mornings, and, um, not to get too personal, but I am the only Catholic in my family. And I started my first guardianship, if you will, my first kind of round of guardianship on this past Sunday night. And uh, I left my house about, yeah, kind of the same time y'all did, about 30 minutes prior. Uh, it takes me about 30, 25 minutes to get down there. And as I'm leaving, as I collect my books and my rosary and everything I need, my mom comes downstairs and says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to adoration. She's like, I'm going to what? Adoration, it's a thing they do at church. Yeah. Why? You can talk to God whenever you want. And I'm like, I want to be honest with you guys, right now that has not set a good, good tone. And that has really, I mean, I'm sure my mom didn't mean anything by it, but my mom's been really salty about it. Well, you could talk to God at any time, but you can't be in His presence at yeah. any time. So. And that's true. And it's like, you know, how can you explain that to someone that doesn't understand the faith and the church? And, you know, that just has really just kind of been really not cool in my mind. And, you know, I know that it's not her fault. She doesn't understand. It's like, that just really hasn't uh, been, that's been very heavy lately. So, you know, I, yeah, it's just heavy, you know. You can take hour, right? But give that to him, your mom, and the whole situation, right? Yeah. Give the hand over the situation to our Lord for her, him to do the work. That's the thing. We don't have to do the work. Our Lord does it. Um, yeah, we have a funny story where uh, my grandma was spending the night um, from California. Uh, it was a long time ago. And she was sleeping downstairs and uh, Jeffrey got up for his middle of the night hour and didn't tell her that he was going to be going. And oh no, I think he walked in from yeah, outside. So, so I went, and then when I came back in, you know, her bed was just kind of off the front door, you know, on the side. It was just a pull-out couch bed. And so I came in the door at 3 a.m. in the morning, and she thought, of course, that she was I, going to the bathroom. And yeah, she was like so scared. She didn't. She didn't know I went. So anyway, I startled her a little bit to say the least. Uh, you know, she didn't. She thought I was. Good. Yeah, <laughs> a little strange. I'm like, Grandma, I promise my husband's not leaving at two in the morning for something strange, right? <laughs> He's going to pray. I promise. Yeah, I, I love how you guys compare it to like where we, you know, basically COVID is like a friendship where you're kind of celebrating your friendship with with God. And you, so you can you shared a bunch of memories of your your time with Him. That's what adoration can do. It can create memories. Yeah. Uh, so looking, looking back, I know you shared some, but what are some like really special times or even locations where you really like felt like good in front of Jesus? 
anything specific on mine? There's been a lot that I'm trying to think of. You know, there, there's been times where I'll be in there praying and someone, I mean, not now because the, the chapel's closed off to other people because of COVID, but when it was open, someone, people would come in and say, like they'd be in tears and um, like someone had just died or someone they knew. There were so many times where they came in crying and upset and um, to be before a Lord. And when I asked if there was something I could pray for, they would share it. And it was just really powerful to be able to pray for that person with them right there before our Lord. And they were coming to seek comfort. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a, you know, pre-COVID, what a perpetual adoration chapel can offer the community, of course, is that place of prayer, right? That, um, that opportunity, you know, when you're going through something hard, when your mom dies, when you're, you lose your job, you know, you, I mean, you name it, right? Crisis right there. So that you being a guardian, you can more or less open up Christ's presence to people that are going through extremely difficult times. Um, I remember one time uh, early on when, you know, they had the weddings. We, I think I went to a Saturday night hour, and they had the weddings here at Christ the King. And after the wedding, the, uh, the, the bride and the groom came into the Adoration Chapel. And, like, what a lovely moment, right? I kind of, you know, stepped back, and I let them sit on the kneelers right there in front. And, like... I mean, that's the best thing to do. The, 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 that's the first thing they did as a married couple was, was go spend time with Jesus. I mean, just how wonderful um, and amazing that was. I remember that memory. Um, but I would say also, a lot of times during adoration, I'll do my examination of conscience. And so, you know, I'll be, I'll be kind of beating myself up over, over some things I did or whatever and, and maybe writing it down to, to get ready for confession. And I look up, and our Lord is, you know, is right there just loving me, right? And he's right there and saying, you know, it's okay. You know, it, I mean, it, you know, just get up and, and try again. Um, and so just feeling those graces and that love from Christ. So a lot of times when I do my examine, or, or some of my best memories, really, of feeling his love. Yeah, I would say the same. Like, feeling so loved by him, like, really tangible. Um, when you're before him and then also there's been so many times like I'm like Lord I don't know what to do with this child she's not listening to me or this toddler's not listening to me or whoever whatever you know we have our issues all the time with what's going you know there's something happening at home I cannot potty train this child whatever it is and um, the same Lord this is your child I hand this issue over to you I don't know what to do and then within the week it gets resolved and I don't even do anything so he takes care of it, right? When we hand it over, um, it's just, he does it. You've all spoke a bit about like, the devil trying to get in the way as you're going. I've experienced that more with the retreats. Oh, yeah, I'm that happened. Up for retreats. Um, yeah. But kind of your story actually made me think of that question. I'm curious some of the examples that you have had. Oh, yeah. Well, you, especially 2 a.m., right, where your alarm just doesn't go off. Yeah, oh, yeah. Or um, <laughs> that happens. Um, but there's been times your alarm doesn't go off, and you ask, like, one of us, I can't remember, would ask our guardian angel to wake us up, and he would wake up, like, just in time. And you're like, why did my alarm go off? But he had just enough time to, to go. And your guardian angel waking up, right? Um, no, I mean, I, I think it's just... Um, you know, kind of the busyness of life, right? You know, the, the, the devil just kind of giving you reasons here and there and telling you lies that, hey, you know, work is more important or you really got to, you know, do this thing for this person. And, you know, maybe it's a good thing, right? You know, yeah, I actually got to, you know, do this, do this work to support this family, you know, to support my family or, um, you know, just those, those things that you kind of wrestle with. Um, you know, that he, he just kind of pops in there, you know, unknowingly. And so just the things that keep you away, especially for retreats. Retreats are especially powerful, of course. Um, and so that happens a lot leading up to a retreat, you know, not signing up or, or whatever. But for our adoration, it's, it's just those constant little dings of, 
hey, you know, maybe I should just ask the guardian after me if they'll cover my hour because, man, you know, it's gonna be a really late night tonight, or, um, you know, you know just, just a lot of those little things. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think leaving on a Saturday night, a lot of times it was, oh, I feel bad leaving Jeffrey when, for whatever reason, I couldn't, the kids weren't. Yeah, inevitably. Or, yeah, like, someone would have a meltdown, In right? the five minutes before she was leaving, someone had a meltdown, yeah. right? Or someone was screaming for mommy or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? And we just, you know, we just know that no, you know, I remember we have to persevere and get through that. I remember a few times where Jeffy's like, all the time, just go, just get out. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, just go out. It'll be fine. Just get out of here. And then, of course, when I, I leave and I pray, everything would be okay. And I come back and he's like, oh, yeah, it was fine. They stopped crying as soon as you left. You know, it was fine. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's always something that comes up because it's such, you know, such an important time. Understandable, um, but you know we would, um, you know, ask that you, you contact the guardian that didn't show up, you know, to see if they can come, um, or um, you know we don't necessarily have an emergency number you can call, especially like early in the mornings. I thought you could um, call Wendy though. Well, well, not early five in the morning. Yeah. If, if you're during the day, you can call uh, Wendy, who's a staff member, and she can either come or she can get someone on Christ King staff who can come during the day. So we would ask that you uh, that you would do that. Um, if it's off hours and there's no one, um, then yeah, we you know stay as, as long as possible if you can. Um, definitely try to reach out to the guardians behind you if you have friends that live nearby. You know, try to find some solution. Um, and then as a very very last resort, um, they do we do have a cover in there. So if you do have to leave, you can put that you can put that cover over the monstrance and at that point it's kind of like Jesus is in the tabernacle you know he's he's covered he's technically not exposed anymore um, so at that point once the cover is on you can go go and leave but obviously being a perpetual adoration chapel you know we want to keep that chain going um, so again it's not ideal. so I mean it's it's a responsibility to be a guardian you know it sure is um, so you know it's, it's important to uh, to communicate, to have a good relationship with the guardians before and after you. So, you know, so you have their phone number and you can, you know, you have some communication with them. Uh, it's not always possible, but as much as you can, that is good. Yeah, there, and I would say that there's been times where my, the nine o'clock wouldn't show up and I would stay for, for, I'd end up staying another hour. And there were so many things that Christ said to me in that extra hour. Or even sometimes when the person was like 30 minutes late. It's like whenever it, that would happen, and I would just stay, and if I could, right? Because um, I know people have to get to work and things like that, but I could stay. Uh, inevitably, Christ would have something he, I, he wanted me to stay because he still had something to say to me. And um, to talk to Kathleen, what she said about accountability, having a partner who goes with you, like someone to sign up for the hour, helps a lot with that. Um, so, you know, that we have each other, you know, to keep each other accountable. But if you have a friend who would sign up, because there's two guardians that can be in there. If you have a friend that would sign up for the same hour with you or switch off with you, then that way you have someone who can cover for you if something should come up. Yeah, I mean, when Archbishop Downey started, the idea was to have three guardians on every hour, right? And so, you know, the chances of all three of them not showing up, you know, would, would, wouldn't be that great. Of course, we're not... We haven't maintained that over the past 27 years, so we, we have a little bit of work to do. Yeah. 
there's no deadline. I mean, you can sign. I mean, as long as someone else didn't sign up for it before you, okay, you so can like sign up for it uh, whenever you want. So the system will let me like ten minutes before sign up. I mean, there, there may be cases where you know maybe you know someone didn't get a get a sub and they made other arrangements. And if that's the case, then then at that point we would go back in the system and kind of cancel the sub request. But if you if you accept a sub request, yeah, up until minutes before, you're, you're good to go. Yeah, those are sometimes really helpful because he's looking Super at helpful. it and like, do I go and cover this hour? No one's going to be there. Right. And then if it gets covered 10 minutes before, or 30 minutes before, then it's like, oh, okay, great. All right, so we will end in prayer. And, um, of course, we'll uh, take the example of our mother, Mary, who was the first adorer. Um, Maybe not take her example, but, but we'll, we'll, petition we'll, her we'll petition her for uh, ask for her intercession to love Christ the way she did and to adore Him the way she did. So we'll say a memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to Thy protection, employed Thy help, or sought Thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly to Thee, O Virgin, Virgin's our Mother. To thee to become before these things, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word and Kind, despise not upon our decisions, but in our mercy, hear and answer us. Amen. Well, thank you very much. We really enjoyed being here, and we love talking about adoration. So.